0: back with episode 2 of the Ex Nihilo Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Williams. This is actually part 2 of a two-part series with Dan Cirillo, our ex-Navy SEAL CrossFit trainer guest. If you haven't listened to the first episode, please go back and listen to that. But I'm sure you'll find this one equally as enthralling and interesting as the first on its own. So you don't have to, but I would recommend it. So... Uh, please check that one out if you do get a chance. And without further ado, we're talking to Dan Cirillo. So let's transition into you know what you're doing now, your CrossFit business, and and so how did the, how did the idea to open up a CrossFit gym come about for you?
1: So uh, I got when I left the SEAL teams, I didn't realize how injured I was. You know, I didn't realize that that my hip had been broken that my back had been broken, that my shoulder had been completely torn apart. I didn't realize that the knee surgery that I had in the SEAL teams, so I would blown my ACL in, two, in 1998. I didn't realize that when the surgery was had been, had been done, it had been done by an intern who didn't know what he was doing. And so for wow. 10 years, I pretty much walked around on a peg leg, and I went from a body weight of about 190 ripped to, like, struggling to stay under 230, you know, like really wow. struggling because – I, I, everything that I did hurt. I just when I ran it hurt. When I rode a bike it hurt. When I swam it hurt. And everybody kept telling me, "Well, if you lose weight, you you it won't hurt anymore." I'm like, dude, I'm trying. Like I'm trying everything I can. I, I I run to work. I bike to work. I do all these things, and I'm not losing weight. And you know, one, you know, my metabolism is such that you know my, my, my family, all my family is morbidly obese, and that's not an excuse, obviously. But I just think that's my, what my body, without a high level of fitness, is going to look like. Anyway, when I got out of the military, I, uh, I you know, we, I came up here and working here in Seattle, and we decided we wanted to put a fighting program in place because we wanted to train, and part of our program is we want to shoot on one day, fight another day, and then go do driving courses another day, right? Well, in order to have the fighting portion, they they required us to have a fitness program. Well, me, being the fattest guy on the team, <laughs> I got selected to be in charge of the fitness program, and that's a kind <laughs> way of basically people saying, hey, lose some and weight or lose some weight gosh darn it sorry for the language <laughs> and so i was like okay you know i get the hint and i was trying you know well we had two guys on our team who were doing crossfit and i had done crossfit overseas but i didn't i never did it right like i always did it to where guys were like hey do crossfit workout and do this weight with 95 pounds I'm like 95 pounds that's stupid let's do it at 135 pounds or 185 because lifting heavy is the way to go right it was a seal and so um, I finally, you know, got introduced to it. I went to the very first CrossFit Gym in America, which is CrossFit level level four here in Seattle, and it's owned and operated by Navy SEAL. And when you're a guy like me, you meet these personal trainers or whatever, and they try to tell you something, you're just like, Yeah, whatever, dude. And you roll your eyes. Well, here's another SEAL explaining to me why my body is so broken and so beat up. And the way he explained it is you're, you, when you do it too much, you do it too often, you don't rest, you don't recover, you don't do it properly with good technique, you're just going to hurt yourself. And it made sense to me. And so I wanted to learn more about it. And so as I went certified to be a CrossFit coach, I then really – one thing that Leilani, my wife and I had talked about years before was she was like, what do you want to do in life? And I just told her, I said, I wish I could open up some training complex. This is way back in like 2000 before the war even started. I said, I I wish I could open up some training complex and just train kids. I go, because I've had good coaches and I've had really bad coaches growing up. And there was a field right by my house that we lived at that I wanted to buy the field, but it was like a million dollars. And, and for me back then, that was impossible. You know, they could never get a million dollars had no idea about investing whatever. And so I just, it was like, I want to train kids. And so when I started doing the CrossFit thing, I was like, I wonder, I you know, I started learning proper weightlifting, like proper weightlifting technique. I'm like, man, nobody's ever taught me this before. Nobody ever taught me how to keep my back flat and do this and do that and how you have your knees on a squat, etc. Man, if somebody would've taught me this in high school, I would be this much stronger, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And so when I decided I went home to her one day and you know, the job that I was in a security, the job was great. The money was great. The people I worked for were freaking horrible, right? <laughs> they were horrible and they, it was a very hostile work environment. It was not a good situation. And I, I knew I wasn't going to be there for the rest of my life. And I, and I also knew that I didn't want to do security the rest of my life and live somebody's life. Cause that's what you're doing when you're a security guy, you're living somebody else's life. And, um, and so I just thought about, it, like, what's my way out of this? What can I do? And I really look at it and go, what am I really good at? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a computer guy. You know, I'm not going to invent video games. I, I can do construction real good. I can break legs really easily. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I also am good training at training people. So I just said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train people. And I got certified. And, and the first time I coached people, it was, like, awesome. Like, I just yeah. loved it. And uh, I said, okay, I want to open up a gym and I want to train kids, and that's how it started. And uh, it just quickly grew. And next thing you know, a kid comes in. He's like, I want you to train me to be a Navy SEAL. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and that grew. And and next thing, you know, adults came, and you know, it just it was just awesome. And uh, it's it's been a, it was been a, it was a good
0: ride, you know. Pretty organic for you. I mean, obviously, naturally. And so that's kind of my next question is. CrossFit uh, was it started by a Navy SEAL? Is that correct?
1: So no, CrossFit was started by Greg Glassman, who's a former gymnast. But the first okay. guy he hired to kind of take it mainstream yeah. was a SEAL. That's okay. Dave Castro, and then okay. Dave Castro hired a bunch of other mm. SEALs to basically keep get it growing. And mm. one thing that that, see, that one thing about CrossFit is if you know the backside of the backside of the story and how people are trained, they're trained very militaristic. Like, Mm -hmm. this is progression one, this is progression two, this is progression three, and when you bring a Navy SEAL in or a military guy in general to teach it, it's very easy for them to teach, whereas if you bring a civilian in and they go, well, let's skip progression one, let's go to progression three, and then go back, that's not not how you accomplish great things, and so when Greg hired Dave, Dave wrote a great training program for him, et cetera, et cetera, and... um, the guys he brought in just really established a great baseline of how to train people Mm -hmm. from the ground up. And that's, that's, you know, one thing that was very easy for me to understand and assimilate to.
0: Yeah. And knowing that, I mean, knowing that, you know, there's, there's there's quite a bit of a you know a seal background attached to the crossfit what makes it so appealing i mean crossfit's absolutely exploding i mean crossfit game people are watching crossfit games it's on espn now uh it's mainstream why why is it exploded And, and and do you think that you know some of that seal influence has had something to do with that
1: i think yes and no you know i uh I think that it's exploding because, you know, it's if you try to open up a 24 hour fitness, you're talking uh, half a million to a million dollars depending on location. Yeah. Right. So if you're Dan Sterlo and Eddie Williams, you're looking at every single penny you can muster plus borrowing from family and friends to get it open. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at a CrossFit gym, I started my CrossFit business with a thousand dollars and some dumbbells and some kettlebells. Right. And I started doing workouts in a park. And, you know, looking back on that now, I, you know, I wish I had the $500,000 to start the right. but that's the way I started. And, and when you look at people like that, who people who just want to do it, it's a great way to start, a great way to build your business and build your coaching repertoire, et cetera. When it comes to the workouts, you know, those workouts are very, you know, how hard human body. That is very SEAL inspired. You know, Dave Castro wrote most of the workouts, uh, you know and really influence the training of how hard you could push people. And, you know, there's goods and bad to it. I think that, you know, it's, it's becoming mainstream. It's good, but I also see the bad in it as well. So it's, it's a 50, 50 trade off. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are trying to get off the couch and do CrossFit and they, they end up getting hurt or people who are former athletes like me and you end up pushing too hard. Mm. So it's, it's up to your coach to keep you in line. Um, but it, it you know, now it's on TV, et cetera. It, it's good and bad, Um, like anything, you know, there's, there's as many protractors as detractors. Um, so I do think that, that, that the mental toughness aspect of it is Mm -hmm. definitely very special operations driven. I won't just say seal because there's a lot of really good former military guys in CrossFit and working there now. So Mm
0: -hmm. what, okay. Just basic question. What, if I'm new to CrossFit, I've never done it before. What separates a good CrossFit gym from a bad CrossFit gym?
1: A good CrossFit gym, you will not do a CrossFit workout for three to five months. Wow. A bad CrossFit gym, you're going to do a CrossFit workout the first day you walk in there. If, you know, now my fundamentals program has, my fundamentals program started out with a weekend, two weekends. My fundamentals program morphed to six sessions and morphed to a month and morphed to three months. Now we're, now we're at a month, but now we're a month plus year in basically a a beginner class for three months. Mm. And your biggest thing you have to understand, you, 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 as 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 a pro professional athlete, understand is strength is the absolute baseline of everything. Mm. Without strength, you have nothing. You have nothing whatsoever. We don't care about your cardio, et cetera, because just because you can move weight really fast doesn't mean your body's prepared for that weight, mm. right? So if you if you jump in a Ferrari, Eddie Williams right now with no driving experience whatsoever jumps in a Ferrari, and you wonder why you died. It's because you have no experience driving that car that fast, right? I mean, who's, that? who's the actor who just got killed by letting his buddy drive the car? Mm-hmm. A 900-horsepower car, you hit the gas, and you wonder why you lost control. So that's CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, you jump into that workout system off the couch, and you wonder why you're hurt. You only have yourself to blame. And it's just as much the athlete responsibility as a coach. A good CrossFit gym is going to take you through a very fundamental program teaching you the lifts doing a strength program and developing your metabolic and cardio, you got metabolic conditioning, cardiovascular, and endurance slowly, slowly. The bad part is you get guys who have those things already at a high level and get bored. And now they mm-hmm. want to get into the hard stuff. But if you think about your back, and the way I explain it to you is imagine your back is, is your two hands with fingers extended. And they're mm-hmm. separated right now by four inches. That's what your back looks like if you sit in a chair all day long. What you need your back to do fingers intertwined and meshed together in -hmm. order to have the stability, musculoskeletal stability, in order to handle high volume, high repetition, high weight movements. Also, you need somebody who's responsible enough to be in a gym to go, we're not doing this workout. This is too much. And it's funny how I've really transitioned myself and my program over the years. When you came to me the first time, we did CrossFit. When you came to me the second time, we did strength and we did a lot of gymnastics. And now it's even more evolved to where I have no reason for a person in my – well, in my CrossFitters, yes. But in my youth athlete program and my my pro athlete program, I have no reason for them to do 20 box jumps. There's no reason. So now they do one really high box jump and something else because what are you going to do on a football field? What are you going to do on an athletic field? You're going to do one explosive movement. Some running and maybe a cut or something. So we spend a lot more time on strength and accessory lifts, and now let much less time on the hardcore workouts. But when we do those hardcore workouts, they are completely sport-specific sleds, sleds and more sleds, sprints and more sprints, you know, explosive jumps, uh, you know, one lift like one clean and jerk, etc. And I've really dramatically cut down. The uh, the rate of injuries in my gym, like just, I mean, to the point where we, in, in our youth athlete and pro athlete program, we didn't have one injury. There wasn't one injury. And this is over hundreds upon hundreds of workouts. And I'm, I've just really kind of looked at it now and going, there's a place and a time for hard, rigorous work- workouts, but you can't do them every single day. You cannot do them five times a week and wonder why you're not, why you're getting hurt. You know, I mean, how many times do we put pads on in football? right we play a game but then during practice how many times do we go full full contact why because you're breaking each other you can't do it you can't do it 6 7 days a week it's just impossible without being without breaking down wow and that's really where i've evolved to at a point where i treat my my youth athlete my pro athlete classes as if i'm in a, as if i'm at football practice we're going to go really really hard one day we're going to go about 50 to 70% another day we're going to go about 25 30% and then we're going to come in we're going to go 100% right yeah. and that's kind of why why modify it and twist it and turn it so but we're going to we're going to be strong we're going to be very strong <laughs>
0: Sure. And and I think that's crucial for people listening that, you know, they're in CrossFit classes or they've been going CrossFit for a while, you know, evaluate your coach, see what he's doing. Is your coach a robot and he's constantly or she's constantly putting you through the same workouts every day? She she hasn't worked on your form or he hasn't worked on your form, um, hasn't hasn't looked done. You haven't done strength. You're focusing on a lot on cardio. Uh, Are they are they actually caring about you as an athlete or are they just putting you through the wad every day, day in and day out? Right. Because I, I know my wife, you know Sarah, she's big into CrossFit, and she'll go to gyms and go. You know, this gym sucks. The, the coach doesn't even watch me warm up. The coach doesn't look at my form. The coach is just worried about the wad, and that's that. And so, I think you're giving sound advice for anyone listening, for sure, Dan. Appreciate it. Well, you know, that's the big thing
1: too. Is uh, a lot of people a lot of people believe that cheerleading is coaching. And I'm like, cheerleading is not coaching. You know, <laughs> I can I, I I can go in there and cheerlead you, but I'm gonna hurt you. You need to have somebody who's going to tell you how to fix things and when you're doing too much, I mean I don't have a problem in my gym telling somebody, you know, you come in and they're like, hey, I'm, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm working out. No, you're not. Well, what do you mean? I saw the workout you did yesterday. Yeah, I know. I want to do it again. No, you're not doing it again. This is what you're going to do. You're going to get on that bike and you're going to ride for an hour. Well, no, that's not what I came in to do. I said, but if I let you do that workout, you're going you're gonna to hate me tomorrow and you're going to be injured. And every now and then, one of them will playing back to me, but normally they go. You know what, Dan? You're right. You're right. And I've lost members because of it. You know, I've, lo- I've lost members. I've had, I've had people straight up like, you're too bossy. You blah, blah, blah. And I'm here to get a good workout. You told me not to work out. I'm like, okay, you know what? You're an idiot. So I don't <laughs> mind losing you as a client because well, I- I'm not here to injure. you know?
0: It, well, it's not CrossFit gym. I mean, if I, I I know for sure CrossFit Bellevue is not an all-you-can-eat buffet where you can just walk in and decide what you're going to have for that day. You're getting exactly what the good coaches are going to tell you to do, and you know what? You should trust them. I mean, I don't walk into an NFL uh, strength and conditioning facility and tell the strength coach, "Hey, listen, I understand. Well, what you've got planned out for me, but I really want to get on the elliptical today." And they're like, okay, great. Do that some. Do that another time. You're going to be doing this, so it makes perfect yeah. sense. let's talk a little bit about you know the paleo diet i mean how how did it trickle into crossfit i don't know if you know the answer to that but you know what's your opinion on it are are some of your 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 crossfitters following that diet i know you've got some really big time crossfit athletes working out at crossfit bellevue you know what's their opinion of it
1: you know I, i i got a 50 50 opinion about it um you know some of my athletes follow it and they follow it religiously and they look great i mean they're shredded they got bodies that you can only dream of but then you take that same athlete and you put them in competition, and a lot of those athletes, you know, they crack. And they're, and they, they, mm. they're, they're, but you know, you do a two day event on the second day, they're garbage. And I have to tell them, like, hey, hold on. The paleo diet is great for a lifestyle, it's awesome, but it's not a competition diet. It's not a competition diet. If it's a one event thing, you're great. But what do you, how do you, how do you replace the lost nutrients that you're, that you're losing if all you're eating is, is high-volume nutrients. Remember, it takes the body a long time to break down high-volume nutrients. Mm. So, how do you replace quickly? You know, And basically, that's my only downtrodden with the paleo diet is it's not an event diet. Like, you're not going to go do an Ironman eating a paleo diet. You're going to do it. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to go do, you're not going to go play an NFL football game eating a paleo diet. It's not <laughs> going to happen. You know, you, yeah. you, I'm sorry, the caloric intake, the caloric distribution is far too great. And so, that's my only thing is the paleo diet to get yourself lean down and get yourself prepared for the the event is awesome. But sure. when you go to your event a week before that event, you need to start eating real food and start getting yourself eating eating for your event, you know yeah, so, um, so I don't mind it. It's great. Um, and it's great for a person who wants to come in and look good and lose weight. but it, if you're a competitor, uh, I'm not a believer in it.
0: Yeah, so if you're an athlete, if you're you're a college football athlete or, you know, volleyball, whatever it is, or maybe you're a CrossFitter and competing, obviously it's probably not enough for you. But, you know, we do have an influx of, you know, 30 to, I don't know, 48, 49-year-old moms that come into the gym. uh, Might have some benefit for them, you think?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and the the only reason I bring up competition, I want to make sure I'm very specific on what I say, is if you look at a picture of the females – at the CrossFit Games on Wednesday, and you look at a picture of them on Sunday. If you look at their abs, you can see some abs on Wednesday. If you look at them on for Sunday, they look like men. And that's not bad. What it is is they've lost so much body fat through these rigorous 20,000-calorie output workouts, they have not been able to replace mm-hmm. it. And that's what competition is about. Competition is not about output. Competition is about replacement. Mm. How fast can I recover for the next event? Mm. And if you're eating a very, very clean diet, is that going to replace? Some people, yes, but some people, like the greatest athlete on earth, Rich Froning, eats cheeseburgers. Right? Mm. What do you eat during an Ironman? I had a pizza. Right? I mean, <laughs> so you, it, it's yeah, it's fatty and it's not, it's disgusting and it's gross, but. Is it high in calories? Is it high in fuel? Is it high in fat? And that is an athlete, when you understand that, that is really the difference between a one-day competition and a five-day competition in my opinion. That's huge. Now, for the housewife and the, and the dad, the dad who likes to sit on the couch and drink beer, switching to a paleo diet to get themselves back in shape? Absolutely. There, mm-hmm. It is so beneficial in that regards. Um, I mean I, I don't believe there's a better diet out there because all it is is clean eating like eat clean eat healthy eat from the earth you can yeah. never go wrong doing that you know
0: yeah absolutely and that's kind of the that's kind of the foundation of ex nihilo the site you know that we that we we're, the podcast are on is you know br- eating things from the earth and i think paleo is just such a good foundation for that you know for us for regular people you know obviously when i was in the nfl i I wasn't on a strict paleo diet i was doing some things getting some more higher high caloric meals i was doing higher saturated fats i was doing higher carbohydrates and clean carbs and sweet potatoes rice and that sort of thing um and, and even some bread getting some of that in there uh you know i probably wouldn't eat that now but that's what i did and so um But yeah, I totally am with you I share the same sentiment Uh, And you mentioned the pizza and the burgers Now you did something pretty crazy If I remember Um, It's called the Badon Death March And you did that a couple years ago Was that 2012? And I remember you telling me about you Packing away Snickers bars during that thing Trying to stay alive essentially Uh, Give me a rundown of what that's like Because that sounds unreal
1: so if you live in the southern United States, that's, it's, not, it's not hard. But if you live in the northern United States and you go down there to do it, it's excruciating. And what I mean by that is it's just a marathon. It's an off-road marathon and you're carrying a 35-pound rucksack. Where it really comes out to about 50 because I carry it all my own water. Like That was my biggest thing is I'm going to take all my own water, take all my own food. I'm not going to drink or eat from the aid stations. So my ruck was about 50, right? But remember, the, the race is in March. And up here in Seattle in March, it's about 30 degrees on a warm day. And so my training was, was good, but I had never trained in any temperature over 30 degrees. And so I go down there and it's 90 degrees and the wind's blowing 50 miles an hour. And there's only one bridge that has shade on it in the entire race. It looks like strewn bodies throwing out all over the sides of the road. No joke. As you're walking this, this, this marathon, you know, all it is is strewn bodies all over the sides of the road. Only about fifty percent of the race ever completes the race. All you hear is ambulances going constantly, life flight helicopters constantly, because it's hard. So yeah, when I was when I was doing it, I took you know sandwiches, like a whole package of, of bologna, mayonnaise sandwiches, you know, to eat, Snickers bars, etc. And what had happened is. I had to I had kind of plan those things like a designated meal stops. Like, okay, this designated meal stop, I'm going to do this. This designated stop, stop, I'm going to do this. But primarily I was eating those thing goos, right? And as I got about halfway into the race, I'm just dragging, just just dragging. Like I can't figure out what's going on with me. I'm like, man, I don't think I'm going to complete it. And I finally, like in my crystallized eyes of sweat, read one of the goo packages. And I was eat, drink, eating two goos every 30 minutes. And I look at this goo package, and it says 200 calories. I'm like, hold on. (laughs) I weigh 230 pounds. I'm taking 400 calories every half hour. No wonder you feel like crap, right? And so I stopped right there. I had my feet treated because I'd lost all the skin on the bottoms of my feet. And uh, I pull out the sandwiches and Snicker bars and chomp them down. And I just – I had like this surge of energy. Like, whoa, right on. And, poof, and I was able to just, you know, power through the rest of it. And then I took all the goose and just threw them on the side of the trail. I'm like, this is dungeon. shit. <laughs> and just started eating like any, anything I could find. Like a guy, I was sitting next to one guy at a rest stop. And he's like, oh, he's like, man, I'm. you want this sandwich? I'm like, absolutely. And I gobbled a sandwich down, right? And uh, the thing about the Batan Death March is it, it, it's, it's hard. I won't take anything away from it. It's super hard. And I remember at one point seeing this like lady and his husband trying to get her to her feet. And we're in the middle of nowhere. You're on the backside of this mountain. And middle of nowhere, and I'm, he's trying to get her to feet. She's just collapsing and collapsing. And I go to help him up, and she's just like, "Leave me alone. Just let let me lay here." And I'm like, "That's when you know people are in bad shape, you know." And uh, it, it, it was rough. And I'll, I'll tell you, if I would have kept on eating those goos, I would not have made it. And how how some of these guys can do it, you know, I've been on try on the Ironman. Had guys just all that's all they had was I'm like, "Bro, not me." Where's the host of Snicker bars and where's the Twinkies <laughs> and you know. Uh, that it, it's funny. I, I got an, I was in the, I was on the, the bike ride of the Ironman and I was like mile 90 and my math wasn't correct in my head in my brain. I'm like, Oh, you only have 10 more miles left. When in reality I had 20 with 22 more miles left. Right. And I just didn't compute it fast enough. So I skipped a water stop and a meal stop. And all of a sudden it hit me. Like I literally like felt like I hit a wall and I was funny as I had all this food still in my pockets and i was getting ready to throw it out to lower lower the weight down cuz i had one more big climb and thank god i didn't throw it out because i had like a peanut butter jelly sandwich and some of those 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 uh pro those freaking whatever little uh energy tabs and then i had this one hostess fruit pie that before the race just smelling it made me made me sick to my stomach like <laughs> gobbled that thing down like and i had one peanut but i had one bacon and chocolate chip cookie <laughs> wow. and i was like okay save this right and i ate all that and i'll tell you what as i was on this last climb i was going four miles an hour up this mountain and i the bike was almost tipping over and the next thing you know i felt the sugar kick in and i was going five miles an hour i felt it kick in i was going six miles an hour Seven miles an hour. Next thing I know, I'm back up to about nine miles an hour, going up a really steep mountain. Which I'm a really good climber, but I was like, "Wow!" Had I like taken some of these these little packages of junk, I'd be laying on the side of the mountain right now, looking like an idiot. So, (laughs) and you know, you know, the Cordillera Ironman is brutal just itself. I mean, once again, half the people don't even get out of the water on that one because you know it's so cold and it's pretty rough in the water. So,
0: yeah. No, I, I mean you were training in the your background is just unreal. But I, I could imagine that you probably weren't slamming down fruit pies during uh, BUDS training or SEAL training. Uh, am I wrong about that?
1: No, believe it or not, yes. It, it's funny. So when you're in BUDS, you go and you eat breakfast, right? And, and you don't want ever want to eat a big breakfast because you have a usually a really hard evolution right after breakfast. So then at lunchtime, it's basically how fast can you eat? It isn't. It isn't what you eat. It's like how fast can I shove this burger and fries and salad and whatever down my throat, right? Because you usually you have to have to run to chow and run back, and you probably had an hour. Well, you've got to imagine trying to get 110 guys fed and back. You're going to use a whole hour. And if you're late, of course, you get punished. At dinner time, once again, you go over there and you eat a really good meal, but your metabolism is feeling so crazy that about nine o'clock at night. You're starving. So we would go down to Wendy's and be like, give me a tr- two triple cheeseburgers and two fries. I, I'm not kidding. You. I, when I checked into Bud's, I was 205 pounds. When I graduated, after eating cheeseburgers and pizzas, ev- almost every single night, I weighed 165 pounds.
0: Wow, unreal. I, I was completely wrong about that. I thought, oh, no, there's no way they'd be eating that stuff geez
1: <laughs> it, no, it's it's all about calories. Buds is all about. I mean, because every single day at a minimum you run six miles. So at an absolute minimum you run six miles. Let's just go eat three meals a day. So then combine that with if you have a training run, a timed run, a swim, you know, a two mile swim, you're going to burn twelve, thirteen thousand calories, right? Depending on the temperature of the water, you know, a training run man, you might burn 10, 12,000 calories on a training run because your training turning might be 10, 15 miles long, you know, a four mile timed run. I mean, that's not, you're not jogging, you're sprinting that entire thing. You know, you got to get under 28 minutes. So it's at all times, you're just, you're, you're burning calories.
0: Sure. Well, Dan, I mean, we're just about out of time here, but uh, two more things before we go, you know, you're the founder of the turning steel, like the ultimate fundamentals of the of fitness and, and, and physical toughness. Um, I, I, I'd love to just a quick rundown of that program and exactly how that started and, and, and how that's going for you.
1: Yeah. So turning steel is the ultimate seal fit adventure. Um, and basically what it comes down to is I had people all the time. Hey, we teach me to shoot. We teach me to, to hike. We teach me this and that. And I always say, I can't teach you anything in a day. I just can't. So I came up with a program and basically now it's a, a two day you know level one, a, a, a two day advanced level two, a five day course and a 10 day course. And essentially, that tool, let's talk about the 10-day course because that's the one, the the, the, the big one. We're going to bring clients in. We're going to give them the lifestyle of a SEAL for 10 days. And you're going to wake up every morning. You're going to do physical training. You're going to do physical training. We're going to fight, uh, go through your hand-to-hand combat. We're going to get done with that. We're going to go to the range. We're going to shoot more ammo than you can ever possibly shoot. We're going to teach you to patrol and do hostage rescue and do, you know, immediate action squad, immediate action drills, fight your way out of ambushes, ho- hostage rescue, repelling, you know, land navigation, combat medicine, and by the end. You know, we're going to put you into a scenario, a mission-based, twenty-four-hour mission-based scenario, where you're going to plan, you're going to get you're, you're going to get it, gather intelligence on your mission. You're going to track targets. You're going to plan a mission to go assault these targets. You assault the targets. You're going to conduct, you know, collect uh, intel on target and do a follow-on mission. And if things go bad, we're going to chase you all night long, capture you, and uh, make sure you make sure you know you you, you don't get captured ever again. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> It's all about team building. It's all about leadership. It's all about communication because you're bringing people who have never met met each other, forcing them to live, work, and breathe, and solve problems. And the complete total thing is is find calmness under chaos. It's our job to create chaos, and your job as students to learn how we think, learn how we plan, learn how we communicate with each other, how our leaders lead. You know, and that's the one mm-hmm. thing people understand: is seal leaders. Lead from the front, you know they're not sitting. They're not sitting on the chair with the whip. They're in the front dragging the rope, and that's a really big thing. That if, if people want to be great in business, great in life, you need to be lead from the front, telling people what to do it, show them what to do, mm. and so turning steels about. Also, giving, having giving you leave, a, leave turning steel with a skill set of. I know how to safely handle a weapon. I know how to safely use a weapon. I know how to safely employ a weapon without harming others. Yeah. That's very big. I now understand the weapons of my body. I understand how to use the weapons of my body. I know how to defeat somebody. But really what you leave is I understand how to read a situation that's getting ready to go ugly and get myself out of the situation. But in case I can't, I now have the skills to deal with this situation. Wow. And that can be in any facet, either a violent, nonviolent, business, you know, whatever, football game. We're teaching people how to read the human body, an opposing force, eyes, hands, feet, you know, understand what an aggressive posture looks like, understand how to talk that posture down or escape from that, you know, or if push comes to shove as a last resort, use, you know, great bodily harm to defend yourself. (laughs)
0: Wow. And, and so just so you know, I'm going to put some some of the information on, on the Turning Steel program in the show notes so that way, if anyone's listening, they're interested. Um, yeah, they'll definitely have access to that. Um, one thing I want to ask you before we go, and this will probably be the last thing here. Um, you, you're just a wise man. I appreciate you coming on. You're when I when I trained with you, you were you're unreal. You're packed with wisdom. And you know, you're, you're intelligent, but you're wise. And there's a huge difference between the two. So, you know, in your mind, What are two or three things that you think it would be incredibly important for now life lessons for people um, before you go?
1: I would say my first and foremost life lesson is people need to become more involved in politics, and not from a political standpoint, but understanding who are our representatives right now. Because I in my belief, this is the worst things have been from a political standpoint, internationally and domestically, than they've ever been. Now I'm not blaming a lot of people want to blame you know Barack Obama. You know, well, you can blame him, but don't blame one guy. It's it's an entire administrative cast. We've had senators who've been in office for way too long, right? We've got people who've been to have too much power right now and that's really has changed the culture of America. So first and foremost, find out who you're voting for. Vote. You know, understand where each, where each person stands for. Understand who to back and why not to back people. That's my, that's my first piece of wisdom. Next, stop worrying about others and worry about yourself. You know, we got people who are who are beating each other up over the stupidest things and, you know, making displays and it's like, "Hold on." what is it? What is, what is the person in the mirror doing? You know, accept responsibility for your actions and be aware of them. Is the person in the mirror doing everything they can to become a better person, better, better man, better father, better wife, whatever. If that person in the mirror is, if you're not happy with what you see, then obviously who are you to judge anybody else? You know, and I tell myself on a daily basis, look in the mirror. Are you proud of who you are? You know? Um, and then lastly, what else can you do for other people? You know, are you, are you, what are you doing for other people, especially guys like me and you, you know, I think it's, I think it's my, I think it's my, my, uh, how do I, not, not my right, but I think it's my, 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 my quest or my, my job to help out young men, you know, that some of these young men don't come from the the best homes. They don't have the guidance and to show them that, Hey, here's the same type person who came from the same type of environment. Yeah, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not anything like that. But I'm also not a criminal. I'm, I'm a successful. Fa- I'm a successful father first and foremost. Um, I'm trying to be a successful football coach and CrossFit coach. But really, what I'm trying to do is is be able to be here for you, young man, whatever time you need me, anytime you need me to to discuss and and, and be honest and open with you. And that's the thing that I think is lacking right now is there's not enough, you know, male role models stepping up and and really coaching in life and in sport. And what I mean in, in life is, okay, life through sport is awesome, but are you there to win or are you there to make better people? And, you know, right mm-hmm. now I think the our, the youth of America is, 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 I'm not proud of it. I, I think it's, uh, I just, I'm not happy with what I see. I'm not happy with, you know, a lot of the things that I see in my own community. And I think it all comes down to not having enough uh, positive male role models. You know, and I just think that's, that's one, if I can give one message, you know, I think that guys who are former athletes, former military guys, especially if you're one of those military guys, who's hurting, man, giving, helping other people makes my day. Like I look forward to going to football practice, no matter how bad a day I'm having, just knowing that I'm going to be at football practice here in a couple hours. I'm just like excited. You know, I'm excited because those kids are just awesome. And it's so much fun. I'm a pretty good coach, but I got a great staff around me. But the guys that I coach with, the kids that I'm around, it's just fun, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that, man. And that's a lot of the point of Ex Nihilo and what I'm trying to do with this podcast and this blog and Swiss site is really giving out this information to get people healthy, to get people mentally healthy, physically healthy, spiritually healthy, and, and to just give back As I really want people to be impacted by some of the things I come across. And that's why we have guys like you on um, who've got a wealth of knowledge and are experienced and trustworthy and are just good men. Uh, and, I, and I do really agree with you in that sentiment. We do not have a lot of good men wandering around these days and pouring back into this year young, any of these young men. Um, I had the, uh, um, the, I want to say privilege, but experience of, of taking my younger brother in for a year and, and getting to go through that. And so, um, 16 years old. And so that not only did that teach him, but it taught me a lot about what it's like and what these kids need. So I totally agree with you. I really appreciate it, Dan. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. So, hey, Dan, I appreciate it, man. I I think we're going to have you back on here in a few months, but uh, thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, yeah, well, anytime you need me, brother.
0: Cool.